everyone's at a different point on their journey, whether it's in business or in faith or in relationships with, you know, somebody. And so when I first started working with Rich, I was already over a million dollars in, in gross revenue. And I, I bring that up, not because that's a great feat for me. Lots of people do that, but I think people feel like you have to, you know, be brand new to, you know, need mentorship or guidance, or you have to be doing 10 million a year to have the revenue to try to afford it, right? So there are coaches and, and mentors that are available at, at sort of every level. And sometimes you, I, I mean, I've been lucky enough uh, working with, you know, Richard for so long. Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Mastered podcast. We're your hosts. I'm MPS. And I'm Richard James. And today we're joined by attorney Scott David Stewart. Scott, welcome on. Super excited to have you here. Hey, guys. How you doing? Appreciate having me on. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, you, you would have no way of knowing this. Scott is like OG one, right, for me. Maybe OG one and a half. First lawyer I've ever was was really in my first presentation that I did in, oh my gosh, 2008-ish. I think Scott and I met at 2009-ish. Uh, we we got to know each other a little better over a round of golf, and, and he beat me. I'm man enough to admit it. And we've become, you know, he's been obviously a client for a long time, but we consider each other very good friends. So Scott, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate you being here. I can't wait to share your story with other attorneys are out there that are listening to this that could maybe use a little inspiration or maybe just feel like they're not so alone and, and that other people are going through the same journey they're going through. So I appreciate you being here today. Yeah, I appreciate being on and obviously, you know, more than happy to share my experiences. If I didn't know how competitive you were, I may have thought that you were throwing the golf match, but I'll just give everybody who's going to play golf with you a little secret. On the first nine, you kind of just play golf and talk about life and everything. As soon as you make the turn, you just ask Rich a business question or, you know, some sort of a numbers question. And then his mind starts, you know, thinking about that and he forgets about the swing a little bit. Now this was a long time ago, so I'm sure his ability to focus is much better now. Uh, you know, he's playing some high level courses with some high level people, but that was always my trick. So I always had to close the gap in like the last five holes. And the more I got him thinking about, you know, some maybe crazy ideas that I may have had, his mind started spinning and, and the golf ball started spinning too out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Michael, uh, you know my scores at the last uh, trip I just took. I was just in uh, Wisconsin. I miss my good friend Jamie Miller there. We'll have him on the show at some point, but I, I was just so much golf. I didn't have any time to go. But anyway, we, we had, I played Aaron Hills and I played Whistling Straits. And Scott, I secretly believe that you might have called my opponents and gave him this <laughs> because I, I shot a smooth 38 on the front at Aaron Hills and a smooth 38 on the front of Whistling Straits and I proceeded to shoot a 45 on the back of Aaron Hills and a 45 <laughs> on the back of Whistling Straits. So somebody got me talking about something that get my mind spinning and my ball spinning out of bounds. Yeah, I think good time. Scott opened up the opportunity for you. He, he exposed the area that we need to work on, right? He, yeah. The back nine, the focus, we've got to get it on. No, I think that's no, great. What he's done is he's a, the, the knowledge to my opponent. I'm, I'm asking, Fire. I know what they're <laughs> going to do to me now. So I'll have to practice. It's like, it's like when Tiger Woods' dad drop, would drop the bag in his backswing, right? 
So there you gonna, go. I'm just gonna have to play more golf with Scott so he can keep working on me. But you you've walked away from golf for a while. Obviously, your kids are in this you know super growth age that they really. But you you got into triathlons and really being an you know an athlete in other areas besides golf. Is, is that right? Yeah, you know, I mean, as you know, from 2010 to, I don't know, probably 2000, maybe 18, my kids were, you know, much younger and, and in a different phase of life. And so starting in probably about 2018, I wasn't playing nearly as much golf. And then right before COVID started, I started uh, getting interested in, in doing triathlons. And so it was a great time to train because you know, I, I get up super early. So you get up early and, you know, I would be done training by like 9 a.m., start working from home, you know, which, you know, a lot of people were doing, obviously. And so it, it was a great opportunity to train. And so I did that for, you know, probably about two years, did some small triathlons, was training for, you know, a couple larger ones that either were canceled. One time I got COVID and just set training back, you know, like months. And so that one wasn't a possibility. <clears throat> And then my kids hit the next phase of sort of their activities. And, and so I was no longer coaching them, which was easy back when they were younger, but now they're older, the training's different. So, you know, obviously it, it, it almost never stops. And so I, I registered for a few triathlons and inevitably it always hit on either an out of town weekend for cheer or a soccer tournament or something. And you know, they're at the stage now and not that I missed anything before, but you know, it's, I'm not willing to miss anything that they're doing because this window's really, really small. And if I miss, you know, a, a competition or a tournament or, you know, something like that, then, then it's gone forever. And I can always go back to, um, you know, whatever else I was doing. The one, the one, I guess, you know, I've got a driver now and another one that will be driving you know, in a blink of an eye. So the, the one thing is now I'm no longer transporting. So I've signed back up at the golf club. So I, I am going to start probably putting some time into, you know, working on the golf game again, because, you know, when you're no longer traveling, you know, one hour each way to practice, well, it was an hour each way, but probably, you know, between drop off, go home, go back, you know, I gained like six hours a week of time, you know, it all comes back around. So we're getting back into it. I'm going to start working on the golf game. Phoenix has been a little bit warm lately, so we're, we're waiting for it to cool down just a little bit. Yeah, that's just a smooth 117. No problem. Yeah. No. I grew up here. That's nothing. <laughs> no, it's hot. You know, it, it's like, like I tell everybody, uh, you know, I've lived in some cold weather places. I, I lived uh, outside of Cleveland for a year. I lived in Chicago for three years while I was going to law school. Phoenix in July is no different than Chicago in January. You just kind of avoid Fair it. Point. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> Very good point. So, Scott, for the law firm that are listening here, tell them a little bit about your, your journey as a law firm owner. What, what does that look like? To clarify, so like where I'm at now, how I got started, all the above. Yeah. Why don't you take us from the start and share some of the highlight details you feel are applicable along the journey? So I started out as a prosecutor at the county attorney's office. I worked there for a couple of years and I went to work for a criminal defense firm, probably, you know, probably at that time, the, the largest 
you know, DUI focused firm and probably still is one of the larger DUI firms. And, and so I went there, I worked there for about, I don't know, five or six months and decided that I'd be better off to go start my own firm. Started off doing strictly criminal offense because at that point in time, the only world I even knew was the criminal law world. And so over the next several years, built that firm up, had some associates. One of my best friends moved out here from Chicago, met him in law school. He was doing family law. So I had no trial experience and no real courtroom experience. So convinced him to go to the county attorney's office to get the, the trial experience. But then I hired him, you know, as soon as he had the requisite level of experience and then he started the family law part of the firm. And that's how we actually brought in family law and got that started. So, I, you know, I think I did fairly well, muddled along, had some associates, was doing, you know, pretty good, you know, clip of revenue. But I just knew this was right around the time that I met Rich and, and the guy that had introduced us, you know, I'd been working with websites for a couple of years. And, you know, I, I was just explaining to him that, you know, I knew that there was things I needed to be doing. And so, you know, I grew up, my dad owned his own business for like 40 years before he sold it. And then, so I grew up and it was a manufacturing. So I was very, very, you know, process oriented. And, and, you know, so I had a lot of, you know, I'll call them rudimentary processes in place, probably more than the average person does when they start out, just based on you know, the world that I grew up in, but I knew there was just stuff I didn't know. And I needed to have somebody unlock that for me. And so a mutual friend introduced me to Richard back then. And, you know, ever since then, you know, we have been working together and I get the question a lot from people that, you know, basically say, you know, essentially, you know, is it really necessary? And you know, it, 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 I apologize. Um, oh, dogs are cool. They're family. You're too. good. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the classic work from home. And when the workers show up an hour before they normally do, you kind of plan, plan things around that. And it's like, oh, what happens anyway? So it, you know, do you need it? I mean, the answer is obviously no, tons of people don't, right? Like, but they get stuck. And I always tell people Tiger Woods best or second best golfer, depending on your viewpoint, has a coach. Uh, you know, basketball players have coaches that make decisions throughout games. They have people that work on, you know, technique on their off days. Every, I'm a big sports person, grew up in sports. So all my references, not all of them, but 95% of my references always relate to, you know, sports. And you have coaches, you have trainers, and you have these things for a reason. And once I got started, I had never done that. But once I got started on that process, I've always had at least one person that I've been either being mentored by, whether it was coffees once a week or actively working in, in a coaching relationship. And I can't imagine not being in that situation just because, you know, if you want to move forward, you're limited by the world that you surround yourself with. And, and if you don't have anybody in your world that knows more than you, then obviously you can never grow beyond where you're currently at. And so, you know, I, I don't foresee ever being at a point where I would not have, you know, some sort of coach or mentor as I'm going through my business life. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that. I, um, I've had, as you know, but many don't. I've one of my mentors for many years has been Dan Kennedy. Really is I'm still in his private client group, and I hire him on a regular basis to do special projects for me. He's very narrow in what I ha- I hire him. So I I'm now I'm I'm in search yet for another coaching aspect to my life. I've met with two or three people in the last couple of weeks, and I'm looking for something very because because like you, I don't want to be without a coach. Now, Michael, I'm curious for you because. I guess in many ways, I, I, I've somewhat been that coach for you, but have you found filling coaching for you in another place besides from me? And, and how, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously I've had a fantastic base, right? It's nice to be able to have, you know, the support from you when I need questions answered. I've dabbled with things. I, I would like to join another mastermind program. I was in one that would do, you know, those extravagant meetups every couple times a year. Unfortunately, that fizzled out for that mastermind owner. Uh, but I thought that was fantastic. Even just the community alone, having other people there to actually know more than you and provide some good feedback and insights was very valuable. So um, I'm on that search too. Good. And I think one of the things people, uh, so everyone, you know, is, is, as you like to say, and um, you know, certainly you're not the only one that ever says this, but you know, everyone's at a different point on their journey, whether it's in business or in faith or in relationships with, you know, somebody. And so when I first started working with rich, I was already p- over a million dollars in gross revenue. And I, I bring that up, not because that's a great feat for me. Lots of people do that, but I think people feel like you have to, you know, be brand new to, you know, need mentorship or guidance or you have to be doing 10 million a year to have the revenue to try to afford it, right? So there are coaches and and mentors that are available at at sort of every level. And sometimes you, I I mean, I've been lucky enough uh, working with, you know, Richard for so long, right? And that he keeps himself sharp by being in masterminds and having his own mentors that I have not been able to outgrow him. I wish I could, that would mean awesome things, right? But you might outgrow the person that you're with today. And if you do, then you need to search for the next person. And you probably should start that search six months before you think you've outgrown the person that you're working with. And I've worked with other people and after a short time, didn't feel like they were providing me value or or giving me the inputs that I was looking for. And and so, you know, there's always somebody, you know, that else that, that you can grow into or grow with is a situation that I've had. But it doesn't matter if you're just starting out or you have a business that's doing, you know, 25, 50 million dollars a year in revenue. You know, you still need somebody or a group of somebody's at every stage if you want to continue to develop. It's interesting. We, I didn't know that we were going to head down this path. We never know where we're going to go. Right. But, Michael, yeah. but, but what a great path. I mean, you could put at the top of the page, you know, why an attorney the owner of a law should should have coaching or a mentor, who, whoever it is. We're not suggesting it should be me or it should be Michael or, or it should be you. I don't think you really want to be in the coaching business, Scott. I think you tried that once and you weren't. <laughs> you it's not that. my personality. It's not your personality, <laughs> right. And so, but whoever it is, you, you, I think it's important to have it. Here's a question for you to, to plus one on this. Why do you think a lot of attorneys struggle with the idea of hiring a coach or a mentor? Do do you think it's because they think they're already supposed to be the smartest person in the room and have all the answers by their training? Do you think it's a pride issue or 
Or do you think they just don't know it's even something that's available to them? Maybe you, you're not aware of it, but I'll, we, we run into obviously yeah. hundreds and hundreds. I mean, I talk to a lot of attorneys, you know, some just call me, some are my friends. I think it's probably a combination of all of the above. It's kind of like uh, the person who doesn't go to church because they think they have to fix all their sins first. Right. right? And, mm -hmm. and so and it's like, hey, I'm not ready for a mentor yet because I have to get this, you know, fixed and together. And it's more like, no, actually, you're the perfect candidate because if you had it all together, then maybe you should be mentoring, right? right. And so I think part of it is they just don't know. They don't know what they should be doing or what's available to them. I think lots of attorneys believe the law is just a profession and not a business. I like to tell them every year when I file my taxes, it doesn't ask me if I'm a professional. It asks me what business I have. You know, so I just think it's kind of all of the above and just different for everybody. But if I had to say one thing, I mean, I think the, the one issue is I think they're too busy working in their business to even contemplate how to work or even look at their business differently. Great point. Especially, I mean, most attorneys bill by the hour, right? And so it's like, Hey, I'm going to spend an hour every week or two hours every week. And it's like, well, depending on your hourly rate, that's anywhere from 300 to a thousand dollars an hour, right? Depending on your rate and where you live. And it's like, Hey, I'm going to dedicate this time. And so, you know, they're just so busy to even contemplate, you know, uh, that. Yeah, it's a good point. And I, I want to say one more thing. And Michael, I know you want to get to some more of this. I was, I just got a text from a mutual friend of ours, a client of partners club who said, hey, I ran into this buddy of mine and doing multiple million dollars a year and doesn't even take home a th hundred thousand grand a year. And, and he goes, I've seen him like three times and finally, you know, he said, man, I, I need to know what you're doing. And my, our friends answer, you got, you got to have somebody who can look at your business objectively and give you some advice. You, you have nobody to give you that outside opinion. And it, it, I, oftentimes I hear one of the challenges that lawyers have is when they build these businesses, you know, I'm in a firm last week that was doing $7 million and losing money. They're, they're not profitable and they're not able to support their family. They got to your point, they have to go bill the hour because there's, if they don't, there's no money available to them. And so that is one of the real problems. And to your point, you don't fix that, you, you, the analogy of going to church, they're the perfect candidate for somebody who needs some guidance. And I'm not advocating as a, as a guidance counselor, I'm advocating that they just need to find somebody that's a fit for them. So Michael, you, you were, you were going about to go down the, the path of Scott's firm again, and I interrupted you, sorry. Well, no, you're good. I think that was a very good, like, sidetrack there because I think it's super valuable for attorneys to hear this uh, because many of them are probably in the same boat and they're probably watching this very early in the morning and very late at night because they don't have much time during the day going right back to Scott's point. So Scott, the one thing I'm curious about because similarly here, obviously I've had my dad growing up having a business. I was able to see that you had a similar thing. So I'm curious, during your path as a law firm owner, did you have any drawback, like one big point where you're like, whoa, I need to take something and learn from this, a downside along the journey? I mean, there's lots of things, right? I mean, you know, business is always going to be up and down, you know, I don't know that I can 
pick one specific thing other than I would just say, just because you're on this path doesn't mean it, you know, that there aren't valleys that you're going to go through. And I think, you know, the advice that I would give is just to recognize that they're probably just that they're just valleys. And, you know, as you continue, I mean, all businesses are the same, whether you look at, you know, Microsoft, who's been laying off recently, tens of thousands of people or the, you know, the solo attorney that has two assistants working for them, you're going to have these up and down periods, you know, is hopefully as you're growing and, you know, you just have to, I think, maintain focus. And for me lately, the big thing is just maintain the most positivity that you can possibly maintain to, to, as you go through these down periods and as you go through the up periods as well, because I think it's so easy to get lost on, man, I've been doing all this work. I've been doing, you know, I've been doing everything that this guy says, and I, I, you know, I've followed it to a T and now I'm back where I was two years ago. You might be back where you were two years ago because you're going through the ebb and flow uh, of where you're at and you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. But if you look at overall where you're at now to where you came from, you got to look back and, 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 you know, recognize that journey. And you can do that with a positive mindset, understanding that business, all businesses have cycles and, and you might be going through an actual growth phase, but because you've made investments, maybe your profit margin, you know, went down a little bit, but as soon as that, you know, germinates and gets a foothold, then it's going to push you to the next level. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. I think you can look back at those and I've done this myself. You can look back at those, periods with, you know, without recognizing the accomplishments that you've made. And so I think if you can stay positive throughout the process and the journey, uh, it'll make it a lot easier for you. It's never easy, but it'll make it a lot easier for you. And you'll be able to, I think, recognize and, and see the accomplishments. Yeah, I'm going through some of that right now myself, right? We've decided to invest in growing this staffing agency out of Guadalajara, and I'm super passionate about it. It really become a purpose-driven business for me, but I've been in the middle of the storm and and I've, we have really good systems running the business and we have an eye on profit. But while I was in the middle of the storm, I got to be honest, I, I thought for sure my quarterly review in January that I was going to see my net liquid asset value go down. The the concept that I have, if I were to sell everything today, minus my business, but if I were to sell all my assets right now, minus liabilities, how much liquid cash would I have if I was mark to market this instant? And I got done. And while I was feeling I was in the middle of the storm, I thought for sure I was going to see a dip. I ran the numbers at the end of June and my net liquid assets had actually gone up fairly considerably. And, and so I say that because when you're in the middle of a story, it can feel difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. it just can re- why you so your point of staying positive, staying healthy, doing all those things is so valuable. But I want to bring you I have a question for you because I know we didn't pick one, but obviously we've been working together a long time. And I am curious because I don't know if I've ever asked you publicly, but there was a season where you really decided because you love web tech you're passionate about that part of your business and you're very in tune with it. And there was a season where I think you decided to do some of that on your own. Uh, And I don't know if you love the results of doing it on your own. 
I'm curious when you decided, cause you were really good and really love this idea of generating web traffic, managing your website, building a site that made sense to you. And you did it on your own. Are you happy you did that on your own? Would, do you wish you would have just had an expert do it? And how do you feel about it now? And if somebody else is looking at some other part of their business that they think they shouldn't outsource this, they should do it on their own. What's your advice to them? So, uh, I would say I'm, I am thankful I did it yep. at that point. So as you know, right now I'm looking at aggressively going into multiple other practice areas. Right. And so at the, at the point in time that I made that decision, I think it was the right decision. It required, and I think because I was solely focused on one practice area, and, and so all the efforts could go into just the, the practice area and then with, you know, building the website, being the person who is going to learn and know everything. I also think it was incredibly valuable throughout several years that I, because I would still have people do work on the site. I, you know, I'd outsource a lot of stuff, but I learned, you know, I wasn't the, you know, building the site, I wasn't coding the site, you know, but, you know, researching in on, on you know, sort of the best practices and, and content and how to write the content and all of that. And so when I would talk to vendors, you know, I knew sometimes more than what they knew. And so, you know, that was incredibly helpful, but I think that, so with where I'm at, what I'm trying to do now, I, I don't know that would necessarily be possible, but the knowledge that I have, you know, is certainly helpful. I, I do still read some of the same, you know, information sites that I did before. So I don't lose because the web's changing, you know, on an ongoing basis. And, and what was good 10 years ago is irrelevant today. And what was good five years ago, probably irrelevant too. And last year's, you know, quickly becoming irrelevant, especially with, you know, AI and everything that's happening. So to answer your question directly, yes, I'm, I, I am glad I did that and went through that process, but I don't think I could do that today with the goals that I have and what I'm trying to do. I just think that to become an expert in that area requires a lot of you. And so I'm at the point now where uh, I'm trying to find other experts to do that. And then obviously get the reports from them that I want to get so that I make sure that we're accomplishing the goals that, that we're trying to meet so that we can move the business forward. Yeah. But I think you, you hit on a really good point, Glenn. I, I think you would agree with this. Scott identified that you, you, you can't just be a passive observer of your business. And right. he took the time to learn what's truth so he could recognize truth in the vendors he was going to trust with this. And I, and I think that's vital to the success of a business. I'm currently working knee deep in my business because I want to know the truth about it before I hand it off to an employee to run for me. And so I, I'm assuming you feel the same way in sales. You, you couldn't have done it without diving in. You wouldn't have been able to, to hire salespeople at the level you are today without being able to have the knowledge you have. Is that accurate? Yeah, definitely not. And, and, and you're right. I I'm all for it because if you hire a vendor and you have no idea what you're looking for, I mean, you, you don't know whether they're doing good, bad. Okay. And, uh, our marketing vendor right now is probably sick of me because <laughs> I'm doing that right now with them. And just every little thing I'm going through and I'm just making sure it's on pace for where it's supposed to be. But if I didn't do that, you know, we wouldn't know where we necessarily stood. We wouldn't know when things need to be changed, right? And obviously some of that's on the vendor, but you got to know what you're looking for. Otherwise you could end up in a 
tough position quickly if it goes untreated too long. So I'm all for that. I think it's a necessary part of the process for sure. Yeah. So Scott, go from here. Yeah, I, I, I think we got a little clarity on some of the drawbacks. I, I agree with you. You know, there's peaks and valleys to business. I would be more concerned as a business owner if things were straight up and to the right. Always. That, that would be a bit concerning because that would likely mean something's about to come. So I'm with you on that. I'm curious because we had a few moments through this where you shared some things. Did you have like an aha moment dur- during this journey, like a, a breakthrough moment for you where the light bulb went off? Yes. And and it was very early on when I was working with Richard. He he was doing a a live event. This was probably six months after I first started working with him. And we had just probably, I mean, no more than a month prior, but maybe not even that long ago, we launched uh, Infusionsoft. And you know, went through the build process and we did all of that. And, you know, so we put the follow-ups and, you know, working with, I always had a dedicated intake phone person. So, but we're at the seminar and, you know, I'm getting notices of people that had hired the firm. And so we put some infrastructure in place over the prior, probably, it probably took us like six months, I think, to get that build and everything and to get all the content written. And so during that time period, we're working on infrastructure, you know, to kind of build out the system a little bit more. And so I'm sitting in the seminar and, you know, I think while I was there, we, over the two or three days, I don't remember exactly how long it was, ended up getting, I do remember this, we ended up getting five new hires and I was hundred percent not a part of the process. And that was probably the first time that that's ever happened where I wasn't at all involved in the process. And so, you know, because all the other times I, I was at least in the office, if not doing the consultation and, and here I wasn't doing the consultation, you know, so from the initial phone call through to the hire, and I'd hired some great attorneys at that point, um, basically fate said, okay, gave away all my cases. I need to be a manager if we're going to go from me representing 50 people to the firm representing 500 people, because that way we're helping more, you know, more people who need our help. Uh, I, and so that's the first time that I truly wasn't involved in the process at all. And it was like, wow, th- this really does work. And so ever since then, you know, I've been focused on, you know, just continue to improve, make better and expand, you know, sort of the process. I'll, I'll call that a mic. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's a magical feeling. I wish everybody could feel that. It is, it is super empowering. Um, I, I, am going to steal one of Michael's questions. What do you think is <laughs> one of your, what, what's the thing do you think attributes to your ongoing success? Cause we're kind of coming to the end here. want to wrap it up. So uh, yeah, we've, we've, people have heard your advice, but what do you do to stay successful? Do you have habits? Is, is that what you want to, is that what we want to know? Michael, kind of the habits what Yeah, or think? just some principles, something that you do to just continue the path forward personally. Personally, I I am probably, my wife would say, annoyingly so regimented and habit-oriented. I mean, I I basically get up at the same time every day, start my workout at the same time every day, unless there's a a reason, eat lunch at the same time every day. You know, I want to eat dinner in the same window every day. I, you know, and it's probably gotten even worse over the last probably 
year because as, as I've been doing personal development and looking at, you know, a lot of this is really huge now, obviously people looking at longevity. And so as I, you know, read some of the books and get into some of that stuff I've been doing over the last, you know, really heavily the last year, but probably started maybe closer to three or four years ago, you know, like my nighttime routine is the same. And so I, I, I'm just a big believer that in order for me to operate at my optimal level, I, I need to, you know, have a schedule and, and, and try to balance that and keep that in line as much as possible. Obviously, if the kid's got a tournament or something, but even when we travel, I mean, I get up at the same time, everyone's still in bed. I go down, have my cup of coffee, find the gym, start stretching. Uh, I mean, we went on a cruise a couple of weeks ago and same thing. I was up at 5 a.m. in the gym at 6 a.m. And, and so it, it just it keeps me really, really, really focused and mentally sharp. Now, I haven't gone as far as Steve Jobs and just wear the same clothes every day. I, I don't think I'm going to go that far. It's tough. But it's it, yeah, but it's just really helpful. And then, of course, you know, I, I try to, you know, I, I probably listen to 90% of my books. I try to listen to as many books as I possibly can, you know, it's driving around or just, you know, around the house. I probably cut, you know, my television time by probably 90%. And not even, I wasn't even really intentional, to be honest with you. It's just more of over the last several years of going through kind of this process, it just has become less important. My wife and I still have our shows. We've got to get some time in, you know, and we still, you know, maintain, you know, date nights and, and all that stuff, because obviously that's way more important than, than, you know, my day job. You know, and so taking care of the family is always number one. But as far as what I do to stay sharp for the business, that's probably, you know, the number one thing that I focus on. And then, you know, helps everything else fall into place and everything. Your, your wife, Colleen's a nurse. My wife, Maria, is a nurse. I'm curious, is Colleen, is she like you or is she not more whimsical? Let's use that word. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, she's not like me at all, it, which is great because, you know, we just had a conversation the other day and, you know, we, through the conversation and, you know, I told her, I'm like, look, I fell in love with you because you weren't like me. You know, you make me do stuff that I need to do to step away and, and, you know, so that I have balance because I can, without her and without, you know, Without that, I mean, I would probably be incredibly imbalanced in, in my life, but oh. she, you know, she was like, nope, we're going to do this. And so we go and do it and sometimes kicking and screaming for the first little bit. And then once I get to whatever it is we're doing, then I can, you know, chill out and, you know, then everything's great. But no, she's not, which is for us really, really good. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I, if we compare, I would wear the same clothes every day. Maria is considered <laughs> to be an emotional dresser, right? So yeah, she, yeah. she she needs to pack multiple different outfits when we travel because she's not sure what she's going to wear that particular day. And and I love it because it makes me a better me. I, I mean, if it was me living on my own, God forbid, I mean, that would be a horrible thing for the world and for me. But it'd be like I'd have one chair, one plate, one cup, one knife and fork, one, you know, I'd totally. have one of everything. And I would use it yep. all the time. I, that's how, you know, my brain likes to work, but I love the, uh, the balance on the other side. I don't know, Michael, you were raised by both your mother and I, I think you're a bit of a mix of both of us, but I think I am. I've got a, a weird, like in between because like <laughs> I, 
could wear the same clothes every day. I could probably, I eat in the same chair every day for the most part. Like I could do all that stuff. But then there's other parts where I'm a little bit more loose with my schedule than probably you would be. So I think I got to find balance between the two. But, but the, I think the answer to here that what we got to, Michael, was discipline was that word it, that he did, that Scott didn't say, but that's it, right? That's the key. It's, to it's discipline. Discipline. It's discipline. 100%. 100%. It, it, it flows into everything. It flows into everything. And it's the backbone of, I, I think that is the backbone of success and many successful people. Scott, as we wrap up, what's got you excited today? What are you most excited about personally in the business, the whole nine? Uh, I, I'm, I'm working on a couple of things that, 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 that uh, I, I can't publicly discuss. Uh, okay. I think Richard knows, knows what some of those things are. But there's just some growth things that I'm putting together that I think I'm excited to, I mean, schedule me for one year from now on the nice. same, you know, and, and then I can wow. answer this question and see if it, but I'm really excited about some things that I'm working on personally, you know, for, you know, for the business. I think it's going to be really impactful for us and the people we help. Yeah, and you're, I didn't you answer your question. It answered have, your question. I just couldn't tell you. You're gonna, you got to be excited about having two drivers in the family. So you know, two more drivers in the family. Right? Oh, I mean, it's scary. It's scary and exciting all at the same time, right? But oh, it, and by the way, I it, should have had this expensive. It's expensive too, because uh, I think yes. Michael and Justin tore up some vehicles along the way while they were learning. Am I correct, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> but yes i think he pled the fifth i might plead the fifth on that okay yeah, that's some legal yes. advice right there yes yeah i'll plead the fifth on that one <laughs> well michael i think cool. we want to well, let everybody know about like we're we love to do that but you, you yeah. have the gentleman's agreement right yeah, we got the gentleman's agreement. Look, we love doing this. We invest our time, money, resources into putting the podcast together, which again, we enjoy doing. All we ask for in return is if this is not your first time listening or watching, we kindly ask that you hit that like button, comment if you got any questions or just give props to Scott today. And then make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button depending on the platform you're listening or watching on and turn those bell notifications on so you can continue to get more of these Your Practice Master podcasts. Yeah. So Scott, is if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, don't give your cell phone number, but like, because <laughs> people do watch this. So, but what would be the best way for them to reach out to you if they wanted to? Best way to reach out to us is just give us a call at our uh, main office number, 602-548-4600. And uh, we'll be more than happy to see how we can help you or, or maybe a friend or family member. Nice. Perfect. Scott, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it was a yeah, pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate really it, guys. Appreciate I always enjoy catching up with you, and, and uh, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing and giving some inspiration to somebody, another attorney out there who's in and really, you know, might have need, needed this today, right? They needed this at this moment today. So, so thanks so much for you. For all those listening, we appreciate you. We, we care for you, and we want to help you build your one, one system at a time. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you, too. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right, everybody, we're out.